The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. We're talking Michael Thomas on the fourth episode of the Fantasy Football Almanac show. When do we draft that top wide receiver? We're going to be covering that today. Before we do, if I could ask uh, you listeners out there, anybody who's listening to this podcast, wherever you're picking this up, if you could do us a quick favor, uh, first, subscribe. Second, leave us a five-star review. And third, leave us a comment. If you can do those things, you're going to really help us launch this show out of the gate so we can continue to improve and continue to bring you premium fantasy football content for free to the masses uh, for everybody out there. Really, honestly, everybody, that uh, that stuff, it might seem like a little thing. It really really makes a huge impact. So once again, if you could subscribe, leave us a five-star review, and leave us a written comment, that'll help us launch this show right. Uh, David, man, how you doing today? Doing fantastic. How are you doing? I'm doing all right, man. I'm doing all right. So um, Michael Thomas, uh, we were talking a little bit before recording um, here, and we're kind of kind of running through the stats, and I have my book information up. I know you you have uh, some of your stats up, and we we're just talking about how, how insane his uh, 2019 season was. Insane even with five games at quarterback by Teddy Bridgewater. So Drew Brees wasn't even in the lineup for all 16 games. But why don't you talk about kind of the separation of the players? Because I know you have that um, that up. Like He was like how many points above the second place wide receiver last year? Essentially, Michael Thomas was Christian McCaffrey at wide receiver. He was giving you a 100-point advantage over the second place finisher which is just humongous gap between first and second yeah it's about uh what is it about six points um six to seven points per game over the second place wide receiver uh which is just crazy and like i said he did that with five games of drew Brees on the bench and, and doing finger magic on the sideline if everybody remembers <laughs> with his cast um it, it, insane and, and when Drew Brees went down relatively early in the season um with that injury you know my thought was uh, you know Michael Thomas is he um you know what's his productivity going to be like because you know Teddy Bridgewater I like him but he's not Drew Brees I mean there aren't a lot of people who are Drew Brees right there's like a handful of them um but he produced man and he produced well and even if you're worried about injury this year to Drew Brees they have Jameis Winston uh, I think the NFL's most glorified chucker of all time he will just throw the ball up for grabs and Michael Thomas is a guy that can come down with a lot of those balls so what do you think about about uh, Michael Thomas um, this year David and then what do you think about him as a first round pick because I remember your initial rankings on Twitter you know a month or two back um, you had him, I believe, maybe out of the top 10, um, which I did too, but that's kind of what I wanted to talk about today is I don't know that, um, I don't know that that's the right thing to do, and I'll, I'll give some reasons why I think that would be, but why don't you take it from here? Uh, yeah, I do. It's hard for me as a Michael Thomas stan to kind of find the in-between of how much I actually love him as a player and how much I'm a running back first round or mm-hmm. or die basically kind of fantasy player yeah and as much as i love michael thomas i just i can't put him in the first round not with alvin Kamara back healthy not with emmanuel sanders being added to the team i think thomas is still a clear number one wide receiver but there's just so much depth at the position yeah that i'd rather start off the draft with uh, a running back even late round run i'd rather take eckler josh jacobs I'm not a Derrick Henry fan. I'd rather start my draft with Derrick Henry than Michael Thomas, just because you can find those wide receivers later. Thomas, due for a 
at least a little bit of regression. That's for sure. Yeah, and, and you have Emmanuel Sanders come in there in free agency. Alvin Kamara, in theory, should be um, you know back to being a factor in the passing game. So is that going to limit Michael Thomas? Um, I think it will, but it, the, the big question here is how much regression is he going to get? And I'm looking at his three-year stat from my book here. We have the you know three years of of um, you basically stat accumulation. So 2017, 149 targets, 104 receptions. 2018, 147 targets, 125 receptions. So actually two less targets, but 21 more catches. 2019, 185 targets, again, with Drew Brees out five of those games. 149 receptions, 700, uh, 1,725 yards, nine touchdowns, which is interesting with as dominant as Michael Thomas is um, in terms of accumulating receptions and yardage. He hasn't eclipsed nine touchdowns. You would think he would be a double-digit touchdown guy, but, you know, that's hard to do, especially in an offense with as many options as the Saints have. But So my big question here, um, and this isn't, this isn't a question you or anything. It's really a question for, for the audience. So I'd love to get everybody's fill-in um, you know, thing. If you're listening to this uh, on the Get Paid Podcast, comment. If you're watching this on YouTube, comment. I'd be curious to get your, your opinions on this. But if he's 100 points above the second-place wide receiver, is that enough value? Because I'm with you. I think you generally go running back early because those top running backs are so scarce that you're just never going to have another crack at them. Whereas you can generally find one or two wide receivers in the second, third, fourth round that will be a top five receiver. You just have to know where to look. So the question is, with Michael Thomas's regression, because statistically speaking, he's probably going to regress, when is that competitive advantage enough for you to to take that. If I'm sitting at 8 or 9 or 10, I'm taking a hard look because in a snake draft you have that swing. I'm taking a hard look at taking the number 1 receiver and then, you know, getting one of those, you know, second tier running backs who will be available then. Whichever one falls. Whichever you, one falls. You know, you got because I'm a big um, um, CEH guy uh, for Kansas City, right? I, I like him a lot. I think I want to see him on tape first. I like him a lot. Some of these rookie running backs are very interesting. Um, the the regression um, projection for Jones and Green Bay. You know, he's going to be more available. You mentioned Eckler. Um, there are going to be some some product uh, productive running backs in the second and third round. I need to play with the, the the mock drafts. I need to see kind of how the draft shakes out if I were to, to draft uh, Michael Thomas that early. But, you know, if I have one of those deep first-round picks and I'm staring at Michael Thomas and I have the choice between him and, I don't know, name your running back, Josh Jacobs, it's a tough choice, man. It's a tougher choice than I thought it would have been at the start of the fantasy football season. But thoughts? It, well, I will say you are swaying me a little bit just because <laughs> the more the more I do think about it, that running back tier at the end of the first round, beginning of the second, you can rank it almost however you want it. Right. Like there's, it's hard to tell which guy is going to be better at, in that running back group. Whereas Michael Thomas, we almost know he's going to be the number one receiver. So if there are two or three running backs left that you like, and you're only three or four picks around from your second round pick, why not go with that wide receiver? Me personally, I'd probably honestly rather start two running backs though and get my yeah, right. wide receiver wide receiver in the third round so again it just kind of comes down to that roster construction uh I, I think you're still probably better off just passing on wide receiver altogether the first two rounds 
Yeah, you know, I'm kind of with you. <clears throat> I don't know if I would agree about the first two rounds this year, um, with the exception of Michael Thomas. If he's sitting in the second round, I think you got to take him. But another thing is, you know, your league format, too. We were just talking about Michael Thomas, nine touchdowns. You know, if you're in a standard league, you don't get any PPR, full PPR, half PPR, then I, I, I'm with you. I mean, I definitely kind of sitting dead red running back for at least the first two rounds. Um, and another thing is, I have in my... Um, my redraft league, uh, because every year you kind of roll some dice and, you know, you, you get whatever pick you have. You know, the, the winner doesn't pick last or anything like that, the previous year's winner. Um, in like two of the last three years, I've been sitting at, you know, the first pick or the third pick, which I personally hate those picks, um, generally. Uh, like last year, I would have sat there if I had the number one pick and taken Christian McCaffrey. Um, but this year, we've been talking about Christian McCaffrey and, um, and Saquon Barkley. I think the gap is smaller. So this is a year where if I ended up rolling the dice and getting the number one pick, I'd probably offer my draft position just straight up and say, somebody somebody take my pick and I'll pick at number six and sit in the middle of the rounds and, and ride the wave or maybe even take one of those deep picks. But yeah, you know, at this point... Okay, so let me let me backtrack. So one of the things that the Fantasy Football Almanac uh, Draft Guide does, right? So I watched the 1,000 hours of football, but I also do computer projections. The computer projections this year brought Michael Thomas and another receiver super high up in the rankings. And I actually think in terms of total point outlay, um, they were top two receivers ended up in the top six um, of those uh, computations. One was Michael Thomas and one was Tyreek Hill with a healthy um, this season, Patrick Mahomes. And actually, the gap there was pretty close. And anybody who read my book last year knew I, I loved Tyreek Hill going into the season. But of course, Mahomes had the ankle thing first, then he had the patella. Uh, Tyreek Hill had the hamstring injury. He missed a few games. So actually, as a healthy companion, <clears throat> I don't think that Tyreek Hill and Patrick Mahomes were healthy at the same time until about week 12 <laughs> last season. And they still did pretty damn well together. But what I'm thinking drafts guide, and I'm just working my way through this, David, is if I'm sitting in like the top five, um, let's say I have the fourth pick, I'm hoping Dalvin Cook slips to me. You know, I, I handcuff him with Alexander Madison like we've been saying in some previous episodes. I know I'm not going to get Michael Thomas in the swing, but I have a chance at uh, Tyreek Hill knowing that it, with my projection he comes back in the top six. I feel personally pretty good about that board. I um, mean, I think there's a good chance that would happen. But... Um, I think that's the only scenario where I would draft a receiver in the second round here is if Michael Thomas or Tyreek Hill, and I'm never a, a tight end in the second round guy. I think that's that's too early for me, and I know I always miss Kelsey or a, you know in, in previous years I always miss Ertz. But for me, it's it's running back in the first two rounds, with the exception of maybe Michael Thomas at like pick 10, 11, 12, maybe Tyreek Hill at the back half of the second round. But what do you think about that? It's you bring up the tight ends, honestly. God, I, I feel terrible for saying all this about Michael Thomas. But uh, I probably I probably take Kelsey before really? Michael Thomas. Just it for competitive down, advantage? It comes down to roster construction. Yeah. Wide receiver. I mean, look at the wide receivers in the fourth, fifth, sixth rounds. I know. And when it comes down to it, you need to look beyond draft day, I think. Unless you're the kind of guy who's not even going to attempt to make a trade, you need to look at what you're going to be able to do with these players on the trade market. You start off with that two running backs or running back and tight end in the first two rounds. You set yourself up at the two scarcest markets, running back and tight end. It's hard to find. Mm -hmm. You wait on the wide receivers. You can trade up the wide receiver ladder. You can throw a half-eaten bagel and a bucket of bones at people <laughs> who are desperate for a running back or tight end, mm -hmm. and they'll, they'll upgrade your wide receiver position. So I don't think you're going to have any issue trading – those fourth and fifth and sixth round receivers and getting a, a guy like 
almost say Tyreek Hill. You can trade into a Tyreek Hill midseason. You can trade in to uh, Devontae Adams midseason. People yeah. get desperate at running back. They get desperate at tight end. And if you hold assets at those positions, you can easily upgrade your wide receivers. Especially in standard leagues, um, because if you're not getting any PPR, it doesn't dilute the market at running back. And uh, and you're right. I mean, roster construction, I always talk about scarcity resources, almost look at it like a stock market, is you want assets at those positions in depth at running back, because it gives you options down the line. Like, I'm not, um, like, I like Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes this year, a cut above, you know, a lot of the other quarterbacks, but quarterbacks these days, that market is commoditized. Um, you can get a subpar passing quarterback who, who runs the ball. Um, Josh Allen, uh, you know, his completion percentage is less. As a passer, and yes, I know he has room to grow. Don't get too mad at me, Buffalo fans. But as a passer, he's not he's, – he's raw. And you would admit that too. But he gets so many yards on the ground and he gets so many rushing touchdowns, he can be a fantasy football easily top 10 quarterback. He, I think he was last year, as a matter of fact. Um, you know, Deshaun Watson, people are a little bit more down on him last year. I actually just came out with a rankings refresh. Um um, and it, which is now in publication, by the way, latest publication of the book, I think is like June 6th at this point with rankings, but Deshaun Watson without DeAndre Hopkins, I think he's going to use his legs more. And look, you know, now that, you know, the, the sting of trading DeAndre Hopkins is gone, you do have Brandon Cooks, Randall Cobb, and potentially a healthy Will Fuller, although I don't think you can count on his hamstrings at this point in any way. But that, that receiving group, it's not sexy, but it has some talent. There should be some value there. And another guy I'll throw out at you since we're talking wide receivers and the depth he can get late, a guy who's – there's two. Um, one is completely ignored at right now is Josh Reynolds, uh, who will likely be taking over that Brandon Cook's role uh, with the Rams, probably undrafted at this point as of the time that we're recording this today in average draft position. Nobody's going to be paying attention to him. He could be a flex for you. He really could. And then another guy that I think everybody's kind of more down on now um, than my personal like st- stat projections and my feeling is based on Jay Gruden coming over in Jacksonville is DJ Chark, man. He and Gardner Minshew have downfield chemistry. It's not easy to find downfield chemistry. And DJ Chark asserted himself in his first basically healthy full season of duty last year. And his average draft position is pretty low for now. Now, that could change depending on when you're picking this episode or this uh, draft value up. But you get him late, and I think he could be easily a wide receiver two, maybe even a wide receiver one in this offense, this new offense, with the chemistry he has with an emerging quarterback, with a quarterback that's probably going to put up 4,000 yards because look what Gruden has done with Andy Dalton and uh, Kirk Cousins in his stints at coaching. You know, there is value there, to your point. There really is. I think what what concerns me about taking Thomas in the first round or even early second round is that we're just looking at last year and not really projecting the regression like let's look at two of the historical seasons which compared to michael thomas's year all right you had marvin harrison who had his career year 143 receptions 1722 receiving yards 11 touchdowns the next year 94 receptions 1272 yards 10 touchdowns that's about 50 receptions less Mm. 500 receiving yards less and and one less touchdown he still had a great year that was still a great year, but yeah. we just it's hard to expect that kind of extreme outlier production to continue at that level. Look at Antonio Brown, career year, 136 receptions, 1,834 yards, 10 touchdowns. That's very similar to Thomas's uh, line from last year. Mm-hmm. The next year, 106 receptions, 1,284 yards, 12 touchdowns. Wasn't a bad year. But was it worth a high first round pick or even mm. mid second? I'm not so sure about that. And then we talk about 
Emmanuel Sanders coming in. He's going to demand some sort of targets. You look yeah, at right. last year, the target distribution, the Saints number two and number three wide receiver, Ted, Ted Ginn and Traquan Smith, combined for 48 receptions total. <laughs> I know. I mean, That's bad. Emmanuel Sanders is probably going to soak up all of that and then some. Those targets mm-hmm. are going to have to come from somewhere. Most likely outcome – a chunk of them are going to come out of Michael Thomas's role. Yeah, and one thing to think about too, although Drew Brees and and Drew, that that connection is fantastic, but you know, I think when Brees went out and my concern would like I said before was that Bridgewater wasn't going to involve or what maybe wouldn't even have the the capability to involve um Michael Thomas as much. I think he basically became kind of overly reliant on him, which helps Michael Thomas's numbers. Um, I, I agree, man. I think Emmanuel Sanders, and by the way, as a team, I love the Saints this season. I think that they're right now the cream of the crop in the NFC if they can stay healthy, but they, they are aging a little bit, I recognize, and they, uh, they have some kind of injury bugs going. But, you know, Emmanuel Sanders, that, that role on the other side of the field, um, maybe less targets, but I think that Michael Thomas could have more stuff over the top. I, it wouldn't shock me. Well, frankly, I think you should predict it because it's just basic. It's hard to, to reproduce. But I think he'll have less receptions, less yards. But I, th- I do think this is going to be the year that he actually ascends and gets these double-digit touchdowns. Um, but I don't know that it's going to be enough to make up the volume he's going to lose in the receiving game. But I still think he's probably the number one overall receiver. It's just a matter of, I don't, I don't even think we're arguing that. It's just like, when do you draft him? Would you, if, okay, let me ask, I'll throw out a scenario. You're sitting at the 15 pick, all right? Number 15, you're on the clock. Michael Thomas is staring you right in the face. And Travis Kelsey's staring you in the face. Are you really going to pass up Michael Thomas? Are you going to do it, number 15? I think I think I would. I think I would. It's, I'm I a tight end, I'm a tight end early truther, you know? Yeah. You just, you look at the numbers. There's just, there was, I think, three tight ends last year to mm-hmm. clear 220 points there was at least i believe 15 receivers to do that so you're just looking at a way deeper market even at the higher end of the production at wide receiver than you are at tight end right i can't blame anyone for going michael thomas there i really can't but again i I think it's it's not exactly just a smash pick like a lot of people would like to believe you know, one of the things I'm going to do, um, because as always, you know, when I'm updating my book and updating the readers and all that, free updates, all that stuff, of course, um, I I start really getting into fantasy football mock drafts. And I know, I think you and I have talked about, like, we'll do a mock draft and we'll figure out if we're going to do a live or, like, I'll share a screen and we'll just kind of comment. We can join the same mock draft and make a pick and say why we're picking and all that stuff. But one of the things I, I like to do is play with different scenarios and... Like, let's say I give myself, like, I go to ESPN and I give myself, uh, in a 12-team league, the number eight pick. And I hope that Michael Thomas falls to me in that scenario. I take him at the eight, um, and then the flip around, maybe I take Kelsey. And I'm doing this scenario just to see, okay, if I take the number one wide receiver and I take the number one tight end in a PPR format, and then maybe in the third round I draft Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes or something like that, right? And I no get, running backs, huh? No running back. I'm curious. <laughs> Zero running backs. Exactly. Strategy. And I'm not saying I, I endorse that for your fantasy football draft, but I want to see what happens if I'm in a PPR league and I want to see what happens in rounds four through seven. When I, then I'm just like, okay, what what platter of running backs can I find at this point that can get me some catches and and make that up? So I dominate three positions in theory. Right, you you get the number one pick at all three positions, and then you're you're while all the other teams are then trying to 
capture those positions that they neglected because they went running back. What ends up happening psychologically in these drafts is, you know, these teams go running back, running back, running back. Probably if you're in an 11 or a 12 team league, probably 10 of those teams are going to stray from running backs after they get their first two or three and start trying to find other pieces to round out their starters. I think that's the wrong thing to do, but that's what happens in drafts. So you end up finding more value, whether it's that receiver, like we've been talking about, or whether it's at running back or so on. So I would bet you that some of these rookie running backs will be available in the fourth round. Like, could, could I get Cam Akers in the fourth round? As of the date, the time we're recording this today, yes, I can. I don't think that'll be the case in August um, if people are picking this up then. Um, J.K. Dobbins, I do think he's going to be the starter in Baltimore at the end of the year. Can I get him in the fifth round? As of today, you can. Um, probably in Rain August. Mostert, I Mostert, another guy comes to mind. I love him fifth Mostert? round. Oh, yeah. Mostert, yeah. Um, he's he's going to be solid in the fifth round. For, even fourth round, I'd be happy taking him. So like if I if I if I'm looking at like a, a six or seven round draft where I'm get, I'm outlaying that scenario and I think that's a realistic scenario again as of today I, I pick you know Michael Thomas in the late in the first in a swing I get Kelsey maybe I get uh, Patrick Mahomes to pair him with Kelsey for the stack in the third round um, again I think you can do that then I get Cam Akers in the fourth Dobbins in the fifth uh, Mostert I don't know if he'll be there but another running back. Um, Maybe Sony Michelle or somebody like that. You know, Stidham, uh, Stidham's taken over quarterback at uh, in New England. Maybe Michelle will get more run. Um, you know, you look at these guys. PPR league. Maybe you're looking at James White, um, who's still going to be a focus in that offense. And Jared Stidham, I think, will dump down. You know, you don't have the sexy running backs at the top, but you have some dominance in the other positions that can make up that competitive advantage. Again, I'm just talking about scenarios here. It'd be an interesting one. Um, so maybe when we do some of these mock drafts. I, what I'd like to do, I don't see other people do that, but I'd like to give us some homework. Like maybe your your job for that fantasy mock draft is, you know, you try to dominate the running backs in the first four rounds. You just go with nothing but running back. And then I'll just go no running backs for the first three rounds and see what we come up with, right? I, I think that'd be kind of fun in laying those scenarios out. And it's good for education too, to kind of get a lay of the land. Another thing I like to do, by the way, David, with um, um, fantasy football mock drafts is... If I like a guy, like uh, for instance Edwards Hilaire, I'm big on the Kansas City Chiefs this year offense. If you can't, uh, if you haven't picked up on that, I just I like him, but I want to know where he's going to go. So I just won't take him in any of my fantasy football mock drafts, so I can plot out where he goes when other people take him. But anyway, I think I'm way off topic at this point. Do you have anything else on Michael Thomas since I veered so significantly? <laughs> <laughs> well, since we're talking about the strategies, I. Let's just make this clear. I'm not endorsing a zero running back strategy earlier. But the one selling point for that is the assets are a lot more stable at the top of your roster when you're going with that elite wideout Michael Thomas, maybe maybe the quarterback round two, I would say Lamar or Mahomes, and then hope to get maybe Kittle mm-hmm. or even Mark Andrews, who I think is elite in yes. round three. Yeah. You're getting three positions that are not going to get hit as much. They have a lower injury rate. So you can kind of pencil those guys in as not really having much injury risk. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you take running back, running back first two rounds, you could be in week five and have both of those guys be gone. So it's a little bit more risk in the mid rounds. You got to hit on those running backs in the mid rounds. But if you're willing to, you know, say go running back round four, five, six, and maybe even if a guy with a pulse falls there in the seventh and then get, say, your second wide receiver in the eighth round, there is some upside to the the stability at the top of the roster. I will have to admit that. Yep. Um, and one other note, just since we're talking running backs, and maybe we can do another segment on this coming up, um, just to close out the show. If you're looking for running back late and you're in a PPR format, 
people are completely, completely ignoring Chris Thompson and that signing in Jacksonville, which I called at the beginning of the offseason. Look at Jay Gruden's offensive play calling uh, distribution, his history of play calling, his history of distribution. Uh, he had Gio Bernard uh, for a little while in Cincinnati. Chris Thompson, of course, in Washington. Leonard Fournette, they um, are not going to bring him back next year. Gruden always goes with at least uh, a two-thirds to one-third committee. He likes roles in the offense. Um and, uh, and Chris Thompson is likely going to be that pass-receiving uh, running back. He's going to be healthy this year for the first time in a while. He's going to give you value. You can get him in the last round of your draft or pick him up off of waivers. If you're hurting at running back, so I'm looking at that from that point of view. If I'm in a PPR league, which I am um, in my, my typical redraft league, I know I could get James White late. And I do think, you know, I know Tom Brady's gone, but I do think he's going to get receptions. I know I can get Chris Thompson the last, literally the last round of my draft, and I don't think that's going to change by the end of the year. I know I can, by the way, get Jamison Crowder in like round 13 this year. I don't know why people are sleeping on him at this point. He's going to get a lot of receptions. So there, there is value out there. Um, that's why I like to play the round of mock drafts. And I know you're a big fantasy football mock draft guide, so I love, I can't wait to kind of get in there and just dig into some of these scenarios. And I love the idea of just like, Okay, you know, here's your homework for the draft. Here's and let's see where the chips fall. Um, I think that'll be a fun exercise for for viewers as well. And one more guy who yep. comes to mind too, if we're talking zero running back late, you're talking those kind of receiving backs who are just getting completely ignored on draft. Like Tariq Cohen. I mean, he's essentially yeah. a low end RB two. Yeah. Chicago didn't add any wide receivers. Uh, Taylor Gabriel's gone. He's going to have a receiving role. He's going to be that third down running back. Not sexy, but if you're going zero running back, you're probably not picking a lot of sexy options. <laughs> no, no. So you're just you're just kind of taking running backs who are going to touch the ball, one half of a committee, and just kind of hoping it works out so one or two of them end up maybe seizing the whole gig due to an injury or something. Tariq Cohen, if David Montgomery goes down, I mean, he's got extreme upside with the receiving potential. Then if you mm-hmm. throw in a little bit of uh, carries per game, I mean, he's basically, you can get him ninth, 10th round in, in draft yeah. day. Yeah, and I'm looking, I just pulled up his stats um, from my book here. So, um, like last year, people think of Tariq Cohen having a, a down year. And of course, it, I'm, I'm not as high on David Montgomery. I like him more in standard leagues than I do in PPR leagues um, for reasons that I noted in my last book. But, um, okay, so Terry Cohen, uh, 2017, 71 targets, 53 receiver uh, receptions. He was kind of under the radar. His breakout year in 2018, 91 targets, 71 receptions, right? 725 yards, five touchdowns. Last year in a quote-unquote down year, 104 targets, higher, 79 receptions, higher, but his yardage and his touchdowns were lower probably because of the schemes, right, the opposing defensive schemes. But he was still involved in that offense. Nick Foles taken over at quarterback. They'll pass the ball a little bit more downhill or um, uh, downfield, but they're still going to be using that that rate. Like, Terry Cohen's going to get some touches, and I think his yardage will increase, and I think his touchdowns will increase. And you're right, people are people are snoozing on this guy. Like, David uh, Montgomery's getting on the hype, but Terry Cohen's, year after year, he's pretty consistently getting involved in that uh, that receiving game. And I don't see any re- any threat to those receptions either or his role. Um, so that's another guy. So it'll be interesting, man. We'll get. I tell you what, in um, I'm going to be doing another kind of, like, marketing push, but, like, in July— after July fourth, let's start. Let's start fantasy football mock season, and uh, and I don't know. Do live. I, I've never done a live. Maybe we can do a live or just record it and you know upload it wherever. I think that'll be fun. So cool, man. Um, I'm ready. Hey, by the way, why don't you uh, why don't you plug your website again? Because I can never remember the exact URL um, and your Twitter, and then uh, we'll close out the show. Yeah, if you want to check out the website, it's GuruFantasyWorld.blogspot.com. 
And if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's just at GuruFantasyWorld, W-R-L-D. All right, David. Hey, uh, once again, thanks for your time. Everybody out there listening, thank you for your time as well. Wherever you're picking up, uh, picking the show up, once again, I'm asking for this uh, favor out here. Uh, please subscribe. Please like. Uh, give us a five-star review and then leave a written comment. If you can do those three things, it takes just a little bit of time, but it has a massive impact on the success of our show. And we're still on launch here. We really need uh, your help to get kind of ranked and noticed, and we could use your support. Uh, David and I will be back next week giving you the tips, the tricks, the targets, everything you need to dominate your league and uh, and make your fantasy football competition cry. That's what we want. We want tears, everybody. We're, we're looking for tears from your comp- uh, competitors because anybody who's not listening to this show, they deserve to cry, baby. That's right. So uh, again, everybody, we'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. Catch you then.